Hello there, you Awakening Wonders on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you download your podcasts. We really appreciate you, our listeners, and want to bring you more content. We will be delivering a podcast every day, seven days a week. Every single day, you'll get a detailed breakdown of current topics that the mainstream media should be covering. But if they are covering, they're amplifying establishment messages and not telling you the truth. Once a week, we bring you in-depth conversations with guests like Jordan Peterson, RFK Jr., Sam Harris, Vandana Shiva, Gabor Mate, and many more. Now enjoy this episode of Stay Free with Russell Brand. Remember, there's an episode every single day to educate and elevate our consciousness together. Stay free and enjoy the episode. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Thanks for joining us on our voyage to truth and freedom. Oh, thank you. This is an important moment in American political history. Trump has been taken off the ballot and it reveals fissures in American political and cultural life that are splitting in ways that we may not have predicted were it not for our awareness of the changing shape of the public sphere. Put simply, there are members of the Republican Party that support this decision, members of the Democrat Party that support this decision, and along media lines, it's as you might imagine as well. The legacy media is in broad support of the decision, whereas independent media are more circumspect and challenging, inquiring as to where a decision of this nature might lead and the legitimacy of the decision. In short, you can no longer analyse American public life along the lines of Republican Party, Democrat Party, or even left and right. What you have now is centralised authority and peripheral figures, some of whom you may love, some of whom you may doubt. But it's these peripheral figures that have come out in support of Trump or at least against the decision to take him off the ballot. Let's look at the legitimacy of this decision and where it might take America. Is it inevitable now that America breaks apart? Is it possible to sustain one nation where every single election you have to say, well, I hate the other 50% of the country, the other 49% of the country, they're idiots. Oh, this election was stolen. Where's America heading now? What is being resisted? What is the ulterior energy that's being repressed and ignored? Put simply, whether you like Trump or not, What does he represent? And what do these establishment forces that don't want to face Donald Trump in 2024 represent as well? Let's get into it. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Readout. Good evening, everyone. I do the news in a leather jacket now. Well, look at my jacket. And we begin tonight with major breaking news. A bombshell ruling from the Colorado Supreme Court in just the last hour states that Donald Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president and from appearing on the Republican primary ballot in that state. In a more than 200-page ruling, the court found that Trump is ineligible for the White House under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The court found that the district court was correct in its early ruling, calling the January 6th attack on the Capitol an insurrection. It's interesting, isn't it, how language becomes so powerful and important. Like, if a protest becomes an insurrection, which is still the same event, isn't it? Like, the same thing that happened. There's loads of footage of it. Right, that's what it is. What do you call it? I don't know. A protest? A tour? A weird thing with that buffalo shaman guy? Well, we're calling it an insurrection. Why is that? Because then you don't have to have Donald Trump as your opponent in the 2024 election. You don't have to address the mass malaise across America, the failure of establishment politics, the corruption of the military-industrial complex and big pharma that plainly have more influence to exert on the political processes than ordinary Americans, the failing of American cultural life more generally. What, all you have to do is say that was an insurrection? Yep. Yeah, God, that's much easier. Do that. Was it an insurrection? What, then people wandering about? I'm not saying I support it or that it was a good thing. Furthermore, what goes on in those buildings? Isn't it a bigger problem that people in Congress own stock 
stocks and shares in companies that they're supposed to regulate, that donor class can influence and control both political parties, that lobbying is still a thing? These are much bigger questions, I would say, to the sanctity of democracy than what those people would do. Whatever those people were doing that day, it wasn't going to lead to, right, this guy now is here, Minister for Defence. As Martin Gurry pointed out, there has never been an unarmed insurrection in history anywhere. You can't overthrow America just by putting on a buffalo hat and some makeup. They've got nuclear weapons. And that Trump, quote, engaged in that insurrection through his personal actions. This frankly stunning and unprecedented decision could have major implications in the 2024 race in which Trump is currently <clears throat> the Republican frontrunner. The decision will likely be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, which could decide the matter on a national level. And now for some unbiased input, Rachel Maddow. This is not a crazy thing for a democracy to do. This is, mm -hmm. um, this is, this is something that was a hallmark of post-war Germany uh, after World War II. This is something that happened to Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil quite recently. This is something that our own Congress did in 1868 after our own civil war. It's interesting that the civil war is being brought up. Surely that was a really different time in your country where there was literal armed conflict between two halves of the nation. It's interesting what's being evoked right now. Dictatorship and war. The legacy media are evoking it. We're considering it. What is the energy that's underneath it? What are the forces that are being harnessed here? Specifically to preclude anybody from holding office in this country who had engaged in insurrection against this country. That can't be the same. You can't say that January 6th was an insurrection and it was a bit like the Civil War. It's not unheard of, but it's... It would, it would be an incredible wild card. Let's see how Donald Trump at Christmas responds. It's Christmas, Trump. It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far-left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. In a way, you have both sides now using incendiary and extreme language, saying that this is unprecedented, that it's unconstitutional. And for me, it's difficult to imagine how America could ever be healed in a sort of 50-50 electoral ballot in 2024, where, generally speaking, people don't have a great deal of faith in Joe Biden, where he's widely regarded to be sort of a career politician that's potentially engaged in corrupt activity with members of his family that has dubious positions on a variety of subjects that's broken numerous promises and Donald Trump who some people adore and see as a savior and others think is the worst thing to happen in American political life ever how is either of these trajectories going to be a solution isn't it likely that this is going to lead to further conflagration rather than a healing if this happens in other states if Trump doesn't run what's going to happen to the United States of America do you think anyone in a position of power has sort of mapped out what this is going to look like or are they sort of happy to embrace the idea of chaos. Let me know in the chat what you think. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. <laughs> it's reassuring to Donald Trump. Christmas tree has himself on it. Not on the top, though. I don't like the connotations. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high-level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. This is where new divisions are occurring that don't fall within typical party lines. You know, we're always cynical on this channel when you see a bipartisan bill was passed the other day to allow Congress people to own stocks and shares in companies that they're supposed to be regulating or a new bill so there's war everywhere all the time. They always sort of think that, oh, look at that, uni, we're all coming together in the sweet name of violence. Well, what we're seeing now is opposition to this measure from RFK. Here's a tweet from him. Every American should be troubled by the Colorado Supreme Court decision to remove President Trump from the ballot. And of course, 
course. He was formerly a Democrat, now running as an independent, but broadly speaking, he's an anti-establishment political figure. And another anti-establishment political figure, this time from the what we would once have called the right, is Vivek Ramaswamy. But similarly, he uses a lot of anti-establishment rhetoric. He's a person who's well attuned with independent media. He's learned what worked for Donald Trump. He knows what people dislike in American public life. He's realized that there's a constitution now that will never trust the establishment again. It almost doesn't matter what they do. Don't you think now that there's nothing Donald Trump could say that would make people that like Rachel Maddow show go, do you know what? I quite like that guy. And the reverse is true as well. There's nothing that Rachel Maddow or the sort of legacy media establishment could say that would make you go, no, I've gone off Donald Trump. Like, it's just now like, I don't trust you. Neither side trusts each other anymore. Therefore, what is America? Whose mind, whose heart does it exist in? That's why it's interesting. There's that new Civil War movie and people are starting to think about Civil War as a kind of possibility. They have just tried to bar President Trump from the Colorado ballot using an unconstitutional maneuver that is a bastardization of the 14th Amendment to our U.S. Constitution. This was a provision, Section 3, that was designed to bar Confederate members, people who switched to the Confederacy, from actually being able to serve. That's very different than what's at issue here, to say the least. This is a hollowed-out husk of what the country was built on the basic principle that we the people select our leadership. It's interesting to watch the strategy, isn't it? Like Rachel Maddow and the legacy media have a strategy. They fall on this because they like it. Like, ah, good, an anti-Trump thing's happened. Let's build it up, let's bolster it, let's legitimize it, let's amplify it, let's make it seem legitimate and correct. And then there's figures like Vivek Ramaswamy, who I believe is a positive force in American political life. He's connected to audiences that have previously been ignored. He speaks an important language, but he's using this strategically. He has to make a choice where do I go on Trump? And I think Vivek Ramaswamy, more than anyone else in the primaries for the Republican Party, has understood how do you manage the specter of Trump? Either Trump's going to run, and in which case he'll win, or Trump's going to be removed, in which case the person that's most associated with Trump is probably going to win. The establishment want Nikki Haley. Presumably Nikki Haley's going to go, well, you can't have Donald Trump. I've told you before, I don't like Donald Trump. He did great things as president, but mm, mm, uh, I'm with the Koch brothers and JP Morgan and all of that now, right? That's Nikki Haley's position. So now, America political life is not left, right, or Democrat, Republican. It's establishment, anti-establishment. That's why we exist in this space, because we are anti-establishment also, because we've worked out during the pandemic period, because of the forever wars and the forever crises, the omni-crisis, as we call it here, that the establishment is a bigger threat than any peripheral group. Now, some people will disagree with that position, but because I, broadly speaking, espouse decentralization, that you should have as much sovereignty, sovereignty of the individual, sovereignty of the community, sovereignty over your food rights, sovereignty over your media, because that's my general position, because I believe in things like free speech, because I believe in your right to be different than me, we have to make that choice. This is the path we have to walk. Let me know in the chat if you agree. Not the unelected elite class in the back of palace halls. That's old world Europe, not the United States. Nothing wrong with old world Europe. That's why I'm making a pledge today that I will withdraw, I pledge to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot unless and until tr Trump's name is restored. You know we can't make this content without you, your good faith and your love, and neither can we make it without our partners in this space. We got great partners, and today is an exciting one. CBD oils from CB Distillery. 
You got to get a gift. Of course you got to get a gift. Our Lord and Saviour returned to the earth in the form of a human being. So stuff your Christmas stockings with CBD. You shouldn't have multiples, it should be A stocking. But if you've got multiples, stuff them with CBD for better sleep. Or give the athlete of your family, if you've got one in your family, the gift of less pain after exercise. I've got BJJ anguish right now. I need some CBD distillery products. And wouldn't a calmer mind be the perfect gift for yourself? CB Distillery has got you covered with their full range of carefully formulated CBD and plant-based solutions. They didn't formulate them in a haphazard manner, only tested them on eight mouses. They've done a good job. CB Distillery's healing plant compounds are made with the highest quality, clean ingredients. No artificial colours, flavours or preservatives. What would be the point? And with over 2 million customers and a 100% money-back guarantee, CB Distillery is the source to trust. If you don't like it, they give you your money back. This year, give the gift of a calmer mind, better sleep and less pain after exercise to someone you love, even if that person is yourself, in which case, you'll work on that. But for now, with the code BRAND, you can stuff your stockings. I don't like that image, but you can stuff your stockings with 20% off. Visit cbdistillery.com and enter the code BRAND for your discount. You don't need a prescription. You don't need the government involved. It's cbdistillery.com, promo code BRAND, 20% off. Ease, peace, calm, sleep. What more do you want? Probably you want some insights in global politics. Well, here they come. And I demand that Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie and Nikki Haley do the same thing. Good move, isn't it? Because now Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and all those guys, they've got to make a choice. They've got to decide whether or not, oh, do we support Trump or do we stay on the ballot? Of course, we know that this will go to the Supreme Court and we'll unpack the legislature of this as best we can in a minute. But culturally and politically, what we're seeing now is some good game playing by Vivek Ramaswamy. He knows where his audience is. He knows which way the wind is blowing. We're seeing the legacy and establishment left manoeuvring against Trump, as you would anticipate. Where will all of this lead us? And more importantly, where will it lead America. And then you have to ask questions about the concept of a nation itself. Who benefits from having 300 million people under one rule in a basic hierarchical structure that's exploitative to everyone in a variety of ways, except for those at the very top strata? Or else these Republicans are simply complicit in this unconstitutional attack on the way we conduct our constitutional republic. The Colorado Supreme Court made history Tuesday with an unprecedented ruling that former President Donald Trump is constitutionally ineligible to run in 2024 because the 14th Amendment's ban on insurrectionists holding public office covers his conduct on January 6th, 2021. It's sophistry, that, and it? They've gone, you can't have insurrectionists hold office, and so January the 6th, that was an insurrection, and he led that insurrection, so he's an insurrectionist. That's, at best, sleight of hand, isn't it? He wasn't like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> That wasn't what happened that day. It's weird, isn't it? It's an odd space where you can't really trust that line at all. The judges that voted in favour of the ruling had been appointed by Democratic governors. Well, well, there you go. Starting to make sense. It's the first time in history the Constitution's insurrection clause has been used to disqualify a presidential candidate. Don't you get the sense that they just scramble around for some way to scupper Donald Trump? In the same way that Julian Assange, uh, espionage, can we call that espionage that he revealed all of those war crimes? Yeah, that is espionage to do that. Actually, you espionaged us so hard there. And Snowden, espionage. They invent stuff, don't they, to retain power. There's no legitimacy to their government, so how can you use things like moral legitimacy or regulatory or constitutional legitimacy as a weapon when most people now just don't trust it? It was really interesting to see in Barack Obama's speech at Stanford, him say, oh, it's the waters are muddied. You just have to flood a country's public square with enough 
Raw sewage. No one knows what to believe anymore, but we do know what not to believe, and it's essentially the establishment. But the text of the 14th Amendment doesn't actually define an insurrection or spell out what it means to engage in insurrection. Even in the old days, there was room for interpretation, like the hate speech laws in Ireland. What do you mean by hate, though? We're not telling you that, because then we wouldn't be able to use it against you at some point in the future. I mean, the hate's complicated. We don't want to get into it. It's not clear what insurrection is. It isn't clear what engaging is. So we're in a legal quagmire that will presumably go to the Supreme Court. Interesting. How will that go? And Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says, Oath-breaking insurrectionists can't serve as senators, representatives, presidential electors, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state. But it doesn't mention the presidency. So we don't know what they mean by engaging. We don't know what they mean by insurrection. We don't know if January 6th was an insurrection. And it doesn't actually explicitly say presidency in the piece of legislation or constitutional language that they're using. So it's not very clear-cut. Seems like one of the factors is, we don't like Donald Trump and we don't want to have him in an election. What can we use this week to stop that happening? Stuff from the Civil War? Let's use stuff from the Civil War. The 4 free decision removes Trump from the Republican primary ballot in Colorado, which is scheduled for Super Tuesday in early March. Woo, Super Tuesday, everyone. Not gonna be that super, you've took out the main quarterback. Is that what you do? Is that how you talk? The dissents from the sharply divided 4 free court offer some legal foundations for Trump to overturn the historic ruling when he inevitably appeals to the US Supreme Court. One justice concluded that candidates shouldn't be disqualified under the 14th Amendment if they haven't been convicted of insurrection, which is a federal crime. Trump is facing other felony charges, but not insurrection, in his federal election subversion case. Another justice raised due process concerns and said only Congress has the power to enforce the ban. This is falling apart, isn't it? So he hasn't been convicted with insurrection. He hasn't been charged with insurrection. We don't know that January 6th was an insurrection or that he caused an insurrection. We don't know what an insurrection means in the piece of legislation that they're using or whether it applies to people that are running from the presidency. It's a sh open and shut case. You can't handle the truth. I haven't heard any. Three of the seven justices on the Colorado Supreme Court dissented, arguing the former president didn't have a fair trial. Carlos Sammer warned of chaos in the aftermath of the ruling. The decision to bar former president Donald J. Trump, by all accounts, the current leading Republican presidential candidate and reportedly the current leading overall presidential candidate from Colorado's presidential primary ballot, flies in the face of the due process doctrine Samuel wrote in his dissent. Legal scholar Jonathan Turley slammed the Colorado Supreme Court for its ruling, saying this court just handed partisans on both sides the ultimate tool to try to shortcut elections and it's very, very dangerous. Oh, bloody hell, you idiots. You're making it worse and worse for everyone. Stop it. Stop making it so bad. Start addressing the actual problem, the quality of life, the lack of infrastructure, the despair that people are feeling, these unnecessary wars, subsidiaries for powerful interests, accepting donations, Congress people only stock to shares. All of that is so obvious that that's the problem. Instead of like, right, get the Constitution. Ah, we could say it was an insurrection. Or that he had an erection. That rhymes with insurrection. It'll do. Turley, a professor of law, added, he believes the ruling endangers American democracy. You know, January 6th was many things, most of it not good. In my view, it was not an insurrection. It was a riot, he said. Like, that's someone that's, I suppose, interested in democracy and process and procedure. And where did all those people go? Where did all the sort of normal people go? When did it go into this weird metastasized version of democracy or constitutional republic or whatever you guys want to call it? Like, when did it turn into this weird mad game where no one's like sort of 
boringly talking about procedure. No, no, that's not an insurrection. That was at worst a riot. Those voices seem to have disappeared. Like, people are too mad and amplified. It really is oddly apocalyptic. And this kind of escalation of tension is likely to have a negative outcome. It's not really positive, is it? He said, while he understands those in violation of the law that day should face consequences, the ruling against Trump goes a step too far. That doesn't mean that the people responsible for that day shouldn't be held accountable. But to call this an insurrection for the purposes of disqualification would create a slippery slope for every state in the union. In a sense, you should be able to, as I've said before, take the nouns out and still have the same impression. This riot was as a result of this issue. This many people were hurt. This much damage was done. And then later you can say January the 6th or this social issue or that, and you would have the same view. That's principles and that's legislation. When everything is interpretive and the mobilization and weaponization of the law because of the sort of vendetta, then it creates the kind of trust that Barack Obama's saying is only caused by independent media. That's what they'll say. Oh, because of Trump's mad vocal supporters, people will doubt this legitimate piece of legislature. But even me looking at this, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not in America. I don't vote in American elections. I can see that what the intention is, it's plain that this is an attempt to find a way to hobble Trump. Turley concluded by saying that this gets in the way of free and fair elections just ahead of the start of primary season. This is a time when we actually need democracy. We need to allow the voters to vote. We need to hear their decision. And the court here just said, you're not going to get that in Colorado. We're not going to let you vote for Donald Trump. Now, one of the main narratives that's emerged in the last few months is Trump is a dictator. Trump will exile and maybe even execute his opponents. Trump is like Mao. Trump is like Mussolini. This is a false equivalency and also, I believe, a distraction from the type of dictatorship that seems to me more likely now. A kind of bureaucratic, reasoned, rational, manipulative. We found a law back in the old days that we can mobilize here. What if we call January 6th an insurrection instead of a riot? What if we say that Trump's been convicted of insurrection? What if we say that this law can be applied to the presidency. All of that is a new form of tyranny, using bureaucracy, a kind of technological bureaucratic dictatorship, the same kind as we have over here in Europe, where Thierry Breton, a bureaucrat, can say, we've got to take down Musk, we've got to take down X, and they just sort of like an insidious fog creep in and suffocate dissenting voices. You don't have to agree with Trump. You don't have to like Elon Musk. You just have to recognize now that there are not that many powerful anti-establishment voices. And if when you look at these anti-establishment voices, you go, I don't like that one, I don't like that one, this one doesn't agree with me entirely. What will be left in the end is nobody. And what you'll have is the establishment. That's the way it's going now. So unless you start going, well, these people might be, you know, fundamentalist Muslim, and these people might be radical, progressive, gay folk, or whatever it is. Unless you start believing in actual freedom, principles, where you actually don't care. You just say, these people should be able to run their own community. They should have individual sovereignty, they should have community sovereignty. The establishment doesn't want that. We have to oppose the establishment. Unless those kind of ideas, as well as the ideas espoused here, by Jonathan Turley, like, hold on a minute, this doesn't seem democratic, it's overreach. Unless that kind of stuff starts reaching us again, what we're going to get is a kind of, a bit like in Star Wars, where that machine just sort of crushes them in the sludge. That's what's happening now. That's what we're all experiencing. <laughs> You can dislike Trump, you can believe he's responsible for January the 6th, but this isn't the way to do it. This is hands down the most anti-democratic opinion I've seen in my life. Wow. What we've got to get to is the point where you go, I don't like Donald Trump, I disagree with Donald Trump on almost everything, but this is mental. Until we get to that point, you've got to have a war. And I reckon the reason we're at this point, really, is because we all recognise that politics has been corrupted by corporate globalism, and it's a sham, and so people are just reaching for stuff that has emotional power. And Donald Trump has emotional power, whether that's the 
emotional power of, I love this guy, he's funny, he's outspoken, or I hate this guy, he's a misogynist, I hate it. Like, he's emotionally charging people because that's all that's left. Because we know it's a uni-party dictatorship already. But will it lead to war? More than two-fifths of Americans believe civil war is at least somewhat likely in the next 10 years, according to a 2022 survey, a figure that increases to more than half among self-identified strong Republicans. <laughs> They're the ones that are up for it. I'd like a war. Participants were asked, looking ahead to the next 10 years, how likely is it, do you think, that there'll be a civil war in this country? Among all US citizens, 43% said civil war was at least somewhat likely. Among strong Democrats and independents, that figure was 40%, but among strong Republicans, 54% said civil war was at least somewhat likely. What I feel that is happening because of the unconscious activity that's happening in media and politics right now is they're inadvertently providing a charge that could lead from the kind of dystopic malaise that most people live within glumly and just like, oh God, I'll watch the telly, I'll eat some sugar, I'll drink some booze, I'll do some drugs, into a kind of, oh well, it, it's on! You know, that, that's the risk I think that's currently being toyed with. Surveys show Americans find it increasingly important to live around people who share their political values. Animosity towards those in the opposing party is higher than at any time in living memory. 42% of registered voters believe Americans in the other party are downright evil. We've created a state and a situation where through media irresponsibility, I would suggest, and I would say legacy media rather than independent media, you've created two utterly polarised camps. This is always a problem that's laying at the feet of independent media and social media more broadly. But look at how ordinary TV shows now, like old school things that have been on since the 1960s, will propagandise for the establishment, will condemn 50% of the population. And those MAGA idiots, this was a silly move. To present someone that was popular, that touched the nerve, that has massive support as a lunatic and an extremist was a risk. And it was a risk that was undertaken deliberately because I think establishment politicians of both sides knew they couldn't compete with someone that could reach people, that could reach into the anger and the dissatisfaction and go, hey, do you want things to change? Do you want me to drain the swamp? Because they can't go, well, we'll drain the swamp as well. We'll drain it. We'll stop being so corrupt. We'll stop running foundations that take money. We'll stop taking half a million dollars for after-dinner speakers. We'll stop leaving presidential offices and doing loads of movies and prestigious projects and acting like we're better than you the whole time and having super fancy parties and claiming that we care about social justice. They lost the moral high ground, but they wanted to retain it. And the only way to do that was to demonise, repress, and claim that half the population were essentially subhuman. And then to point out when there was populist rhetoric on the other side, ah, that sounds a bit Nazi. Well, that's a two-way street. I think that if you create the conditions for this kind of oppositionism, you have to ultimately pay a price. And they'll never pay that price because they can't change. Because they are co-opted and owned by interests that are beyond anything that they might claim to believe in. They are corporate, globalist puppets. We know this already. And so they've just got to find weird rhetorical ways of claiming they're better than Trump. How can they? Almost 40% would be upset at the prospect of their child marrying someone from the opposite party. Even before the 2020 election, when asked if violence would be justified if the other party won the election, 18.3% of Democrats and 13.8% of Republicans responded in the affirmative. That's astonishing that the Democrats, thankfully, they don't have the guns. Increasingly, each America is running under different laws. America will still be America, but it's fast becoming two versions of America. The open question is like the one faced by every couple that separates. How will the two find ways to be civil toward each other? So, whatever you think about Donald Trump being taken off the ballot in Colorado, it does seem 
that it's quite manipulative and that sophistry has been involved. Like, ah, if we say this and it was this and that was that, you know, if we claim that it was an insurrection, if we claim that he caused the insurrection, if we imagine that he's been convicted of insurrection using these laws, we can delegitimize Trump's candidacy. That, for me, is a further doubling down on the lack of understanding that caused these conditions in the first place. People are disillusioned with politics in the United States for reasons that are plain and obvious by claiming that this lightning rod of populism is in himself the problem. They're refusing to acknowledge the causes of the conditions. It astonishes me that this is happening. Interestingly and intriguingly, what's now being revealed is that America is not a country of Democrats and Republicans. America is a country of pro-establishment and anti-establishment beliefs. And what I believe will happen over the next few years is anti-establishment interests start to coalesce. People will start to realize, could we unify in a decentralized independent movement against this uni-party corruption and all have more sovereignty in our own lives? Individual sovereignty, community sovereignty, national sovereignty. Wouldn't all of us ultimately do a deal to be left alone to live how we want to live with those we love in our own community, free from the intervention of the state and the tyranny of corporate globalism? But that's just what I think. Become part of our movement. We need you. We love you. We believe in you and in your sovereignty and freedom. Stay free. No, here's the fucking news.